0: Good morning. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Our scripture, two scriptures this morning, and I'm going to ask you this morning even to take out a Bible. If you don't have one with you, take out a pew Bible. Our first scripture is 2 Timothy 3.16. Many of you will know this passage, but I'm going to try something a little different this morning. I'm going to have us read together out loud. Uh, So if you would, take out... That scripture—it's—I uh, think it's on page eleven fifty-eight of my Bible, so someplace close to that in the pew Bible. Second Timothy, three sixteen. Okay, everybody have it. Let's read it together. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, man or woman of God, okay. Second scripture is uh, Philippians, so turn back a few pages, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, but I think we'll start with verse 3. Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Everybody have it? Let's read that one together. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this... That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That was kind of cool. should do that more often, reading scripture together. Let's pray. God, my prayer, our prayer this morning is simple. We pray that the meditation of our hearts today and that the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you, God, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Two young men in their early 30s, one from Zion and the other from First Covenant. One lives locally, the other lives on the West Coast. Both sincere and devout Christ followers who are active in their churches, giving and serving, made a pact with each other a week ago today. They promised each other that no matter how disillusioned or frustrated they become with Christians or the church, they will not give up on it, though both are strongly tempted to walk away. They are not alone. Others have given up on church, not on Christianity or faith, but abandoned the institution of the church, organized religion. More and more Christians are checking out. Maybe some of you have friends and family members, maybe a sister or a brother or a child who professes faith in Christ, but who are done with church. And maybe even some who have renounced faith because of the failings of the church. It's not only church members who, by the way, are disillusioned or done, many pastors feel the same way. The number of uh, pastors on antidepressants or leaving ministry every year is astounding. I graduated from seminary in 1987, 30 years ago. It was a very different world, though arguably the handwriting was already on the wall even then. But seminary did not prepare us for doing ministry, doing church work in a post-Christian culture. The church can no longer afford to do business as usual. It's not working. Every church has a life cycle. And you do not have to go far, even in our community here in Jamestown, you don't have to go far to find other churches. I can think of a handful of churches off the top of my head in our community that are in trouble, that are struggling, that are down to 20 or 30 members that are nearing closing the door, that are nearing the end of their life cycle, and some that are, I'll say, blessed or cursed with an endowment or a memorial trust fund that is simply allowing them for a long, slow death. Why are Christians checking out of church? And what do we, the members of this church of Zion, need to be wrestling with so that we are not part of the problem but offer not just a better church experience but be a church that is spiritually dynamic, intellectually rigorous, and culturally relevant. To be a prophetic voice in the world, to be a beacon of light and hope in the darkness, to be a catalyst of the kingdom of God, a community that a community that incarnates the body of Christ, the good news. A faith community community that is on mission with Christ. A place of radical love and welcome where lost people are found. And hurting people find help. Would we, would Zion Covenant Church be missed by the community at large if we ceased to exist? Would anyone even notice? I live across the street from the uh, Jewish synagogue here in Jamestown, or what used to be the synagogue. They got so small that they have recently sold their building. They're now meeting in a home. And about two weeks ago, I was standing out front of my house uh, chatting with a neighbor, and somebody who had never seen before came walking by with their dog on the other side of the street in front of the synagogue, stopped and saw the sold sign in front of the synagogue, and then looked up to where the Star of David used to be on the front of the building, And he shouted to us across the street in an anguished voice and said, What happened to the synagogue? Where are the Jews? As as bizarre as that may seem, it made me think, Would anyone care or notice if we closed our doors, if we shuttered our building, if we as a faith community ceased to exist? Would Jamestown, would Lakewood, would Celeron, would would Chautauqua County, would they even notice, would they care if we cease to exist? Those of you who have been part of Zion for a decade or longer, can you remember a time when this church regularly saw people coming to Christ? Not just occasionally or rarely, but I'm talking regularly, people coming to Christ through the ministry of this church. Can you remember a time when this church saw significant life change in people? Lives transformed through relationship with Jesus Christ, through an encounter with Him, and being part of a faith community. If you can remember such a time, and there have been, then you know what it is to be part of a healthy missional church, a church of congregational vitality. And by the way, setting aside the collective body for a moment, the the body that is made up of all the members and focusing on the individual members who make up that body, what kind of a Christian do you want to be? What kind of believer, what kind of Christ follower do you want to be? Do you want your faith to be dynamic, deeply rooted, and determined that your life will bless God and bless neighbor? Are you all in? Are you sold out? Or is church just another option for you on the smorgasbord of activities and distractions and busyness of your life? A smorgasbord of of all the the activities and interests vying for your time and your interest, your energy, even your money. Are you someone who has had a, listen to this, are you someone who has had a lifetime commitment to the church Or a life transforming walk with Jesus. There is a difference. They don't produce the same kind of fruit necessarily. We have reached a point at Zion where staff and leadership are saying something needs to change. We need to have a spiritual checkup and be intentional about moving toward health and vitality. It can't be business as usual. There's a picture in your bulletin. Maybe it'll be on the screen in a moment, too. There's a, a picture inside your bulletin. By the way, there's a place for notes for you there this morning, too. Uh, the picture was taken at, uh, in front of St. Martin in the field in Trafalgar Square in London 10 years ago. Man, I've aged. And... Uh, The church was under construction at the time, and they just wanted folks in the neighborhood to know that they were still open for business. But the sign caught my attention, because even 10 years ago, I thought it was an interesting sign, because even 10 years ago, I knew that the church at large was in trouble, and that it couldn't be business as usual. We are going to be intentional about being a healthy missional church. And it's going to take prayer and patience, as Karen said. So let's begin this morning by defining what it means to be uh, healthy missional. And again, I said a a place for notes in your bulletin this morning. I want you to learn this language so that I can call you at 3 or 4 in the morning. I won't. But if I could call you at 3 or 4 in the morning and ask you, define a healthy missional church, you're going to have the words right there. You're going to understand it, okay? Here's health. Health is defined as this. Pursuing Christ. Health is defined as pursuing Christ. What is health? Pursuing Christ. Thank you. So, it means you individually pursuing Christ, and it means us collectively pursuing Christ. You cannot be a spiritually healthy person, and this church cannot be a spiritually healthy community if we are not individually and collectively pursuing Christ. And by pursuing, we mean pursuing a relationship. Intentional about staying connected and growing in friendship with God. Missional is defined as pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. Pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. What's missional? Pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. And uh, in a word, what, what does that mean? What priorities? In a word, I've got it printed there for you. God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. If you've been listening at all to my messages over the last eight years, you've heard some of this language before. Health is defined as pursuing Christ. Missional is pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. God wants lost people found and hurting people helped. To the extent that we are true to our mission here at Zion, to know Christ and make him known, we will be a healthy missional church. If we neglect these, we cannot hope to be a church of of vitality. This is what we need to be about. This is what we're going to be about. There's no other reason for us to exist. Healthy missional churches, by the way, are churches that are sometimes messy, Sometimes chaotic. They tend to be less structured, more flexible. They are willing to take risks, to try new things, to be responsive to the ways that God is at work. They are, they are praying and patiently waiting on God. And when they sense God moving, they move. These are churches that regularly see people coming to faith, coming to Christ, and significant life transformation. Zion has been here before. And we'd like to see God working powerfully among us again. Or maybe better put, I think God would love for us to join him in his work in the world in even greater ways than we're already doing. Friends, church is not about us. It's not about our personal comforts or preferences. We aren't here to appease consumers. Church is not ultimately, listen, church is not ultimately about worship, or sermons, or teaching, or fellowship, as important as all these are, church is the new community of God. It is the people of God who have been called out of the world and then sent into the world to be on mission with Christ. That's why we're here. And in a culture that is increasingly post-Christian, we have a real opportunity like never before to be missional, to be on mission with God In our own communities. There are some markers that determine how healthy we are as a church. Just as you go to the doctor to establish a baseline or or get a physical to see how you're doing with all of your vitals, heart rate, blood pressure, blood work, and so forth, there are markers that determine the missional health of the church. There are 10 markers that our denomination has identified, indicators of congregational vitality, and I'm going to explain and unpack two of them for you this morning. We'll cover the rest over the next five Sundays. And I trust that you, like me, want to be part of a church that is vital, that is healthy, that is fruitful in its ministries. To be a church that is partnering with God. To bring the kingdom of God into the present. To be difference makers in the world. To be a church that offers hope to the lost and healing to those who are hurting. To be an outpost of the gospel that gives glory to God and serves neighbors good. Still with me? Yeah? Are you? Say amen. Okay. So, uh, two missional markers that we'll cover this morning of healthy missional churches. Simply put, word and walk. Word and walk. And those are simple words for what I'm going to cover with you. We can't be a healthy missional church unless we are committed to the word of God and to a life-transforming Walk with Jesus. To the Word and to walk with Jesus. The first marker is this, the centrality of the Word of God. Listen again to the first scripture this morning, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Covenanters have been known as people of the book. People who ask, where is it written? It's not just saying that we believe the Bible is God's word, but we have to be reading it, studying it, meditating on it, wrestling with it, engaging in study with it, and reflection around it, even with current and difficult issues. We need to have conversations about how to read Scripture, individually and corporately. This year... 2017 is the 500th anniversary in fact next month October is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation and one of the one of the key phrases one of the main emphases of the reformation is sola scriptura which means by scripture alone Luther and others translated the scriptures into the common languages of people so that people could have a Bible in their hand and read it for themselves. It was revolutionary for the time. Even our own denomination and our church comes out of uh, revivals in, in Sweden in the early, uh, in the early, 19th, early and mid-19th century when people were reading scripture. They came alive. They were called readers. They got into the scripture And it got into them. Another thing that we say in in the, in the covenant is to not be shaped by the word is to be shaped by the world. Something is going to shape you. Something is going to shape your heart. Something is going to shape your mind the way that you think and the way that you live. It's why we need to be people of the word. I shouldn't even need to preach this. And I'm not going to spend much time with it this morning. I probably don't even need to say much more. But there needs to be sustained and ongoing study of God's Word, a willingness to wrestle with hard text and topics, a commitment also to staying at the table with each other, no matter how we read Scripture. We are Protestants, which means in our DNA, we protest. And when we don't agree with what someone else thinks or what they're teaching or what they're saying, our tendency is to walk away. To go to another church or to start our own church, endlessly splintering the church. We need to be committed to the Word and committed to each other, to staying at the table with each other. The application is simple be a person of the Word, read it, discipline yourself, read it with others. Read it one-on-one. Read it in a group. Take advantage of studies that are offered. You heard already, after, after this, that there are places for every age group in this congregation. You don't need to go to Wagmans after church. You don't need to. There are opportunities for you this morning to engage with God's Word. Scott Linden will be with the adults upstairs, and I guarantee you, Scott will have you in the Word. And the children downstairs will be in the Word. And the people in confirmation and the youth ministry will be in the Word. If you don't know how to read Scripture, you don't know how, you don't understand the overall storyline or have difficulty with it, ask for help. I would be more than happy to offer another overview of Scripture as I've done in the past if it's needed. Another way to learn the, 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 the story, if you will, the storyline of Scripture to, to get a handle on it is to be involved in our children's ministry. And I'm being serious about that. Our kids know their Bible better than most of the adults around here. It is because our children's ministry is very intentional about teaching our young people the big God story. So if you want to learn it, join them. Again, I'm being serious. Teachers learn more than... You don't even have to teach it. Just be there. Be part of it. Watch it. Observe it. I don't know if Dan would welcome parents in his class or not, but I'm sure, there it is. He says, bring it on. Dan's teaching confirmation upstairs. Dan's a great teacher. He's got some helpers up there. I have covered Dan's class for him, and once or twice a parent has been in there, and I think the parents have been hungrier sometimes than the students to learn God's Word. There are, if, you want to, if you want to be a student of Scripture, if you want to know the Word, there are places that you can plug in to learn. And, and probably I'll be, be, uh, regret that I've said this, but I'm going to say this as well. About the only folks that I see attending Bible classes here at Zion are folks who have been in Bible study for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And to them, I almost want to say, stop it. You should be teaching. You should be mentoring. You should be discipling others. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary things all over again. Like, really? How are we ever going to be a healthy church if we aren't growing to the point where we're also able to share this with others, to come alongside them? Enough. Second marker. This flows out of the first. If you are in the Word... It will, not a guarantee, but it should facilitate a life-transforming walk with Jesus. Especially if you approach this word not simply as as some book, some textbook. This This is God's word. It's a living word. When you read it, you should expect to encounter God. You should expect to hear from God. You should expect to be able to connect with God, even through His word. Church, Christianity is not so much a religion as it is a relationship. I know that you you know this. But stop and think about what that means. It means trading religion and ritual, both which have their place, for a real and dynamic relationship with the living God. It means being in relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. It means knowing that you were made for relationship with God that you are made in the image of God, created for the capacity and enjoyment of community with the divine. Salvation may be nothing other than staying in relationship with Jesus and walking with him. Salvation may may be nothing other than staying in relationship with Jesus and walking with him. The metaphor of walk says a great deal. It speaks of staying, of course, of staying close going somewhere together, a companion on life's journey, conversations and intimacy. It's like walking with a friend. You know, I've I've said this before here. Maybe you remember that I said this, that you are your five closest friends. You are your five closest friends. You think about the people who you spend the most time with, the people who are most influential in your life. Likely they are shaping who you are. Or who you are becoming. I saw some of you wince over that one. It's okay. You also are helping shape who they are. It goes both ways. That's why Pastor Adam and I hang out together. So we're good for each other. So if Jesus isn't someone that you are regularly and intimately walking with, how do you think that you will ever become Christ-like? How much of Jesus' ministry, his teaching, the equipping of his disciples happened as they were traveling along, walking on the road? Jesus began his ministry with the disciples by inviting them to follow him, to walk with him, to walk in the footsteps of their rabbi. You will not be healthy spiritually, nor will this church have missional health if we are not walking with Jesus. And if we are truly walking with him, it will be life-transforming. There's room in my life to walk more closely with Jesus, but to the, extent, to the extent that I have walked with Him, even over the past five or eight or ten years, in my quiet times, in retreats, in contemplation, in solitude as well as the company of other believers, in worship, in prayer, in journaling, in spiritual direction, in conversations with peers and mentors... God has been powerfully at work in my life. I'm still a work in progress, but I have experienced so much transformation in my own life. I'm not who I was when I first came to Christ. I'm not who I was 30 years ago when I came out of seminary. I'm not who I was when I came here eight years ago. And I know that's been unsettling for some of you. But don't you want pastors and leaders who are continuing to grow in intimacy with Christ, whose lives are opened up to God and responsive to God instead of stuck in some rut? I want that for you. You should want that for your leaders. If all of us, staff, leaders, as well as everyone sitting in the pew, would be committed to both word and walk, I guarantee that this place would explode with energy and vitality. This is not a pie-in-the-sky dream or wishful thinking. This is what God delights to do in us and through us. Seriously, as Paul said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is not done with you, any one of you. And he's not done with us as a church. Not yet. He has work to do, and he will carry it on to completion if we will cooperate, if we will join him in the journey. We need to be in this, and we need to be walking closely with Jesus. And praying and being patient. Thank God for his word. Thank him for the invitation to relationship. And then give yourself to both, to word and walk praying and patiently waiting for God, for what God will produce in you, in us. Amen.